Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. This is the place to be if you're ready for the best podcasts of the paranormal. Curious and sometimes unexplained. Now listen to this. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. giving you brand new mind-blowing content news exercises and weird experiments you can do at home and a lot more on this edition of the show KukulCon part six the paratemporal loop hypothesis I have decided to do something here that I've never done before Usually, I space out these KukulCon chapter readings. Just, you know, I sprinkle them out there once in a while. However, uh, on last week's show, I was reading chapter five. And um, for the first time ever, I ran out of time. And I didn't like that. That I, I mean, I only had like a few paragraphs left, but I just couldn't squeeze it in. And so, uh, I was sitting there thinking like, hmm, 
Well, you know what? I'm in the mood. I'm reading this this book right now. Uh, and then it occurred to me, what if I just keep recording? Because for one thing, I want to to finish my thought here and 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 end on an honest to goodness, you know, uh, solid chapter ending. Uh, secondly, I love the topic of paratemporals. I, I invented the paratemporal loop hypothesis, so I've been looking forward to talking about this. So that's exciting to me. Thirdly, I'm going to be in the field um, quite a bit this particular month, September of 2023. And so uh, I, I was probably going to do a best of um, for this week. But I said, you know what? Why don't I just keep the recording going here and I'll just keep reading. And because I'm pretty sure I can at least finish chapter six here and and probably have time to talk about some other stuff. And then guess what? After that. The next time I decide to read from The Secret Wisdom of Kukulkan, it will be the final chapter. Yeah, that's exciting. So uh, I'm just going to pick up where I left off last week. Let me remind those of you who are new to, to the show. This is a book that I wrote 14 years ago in 2009 called The Secret Wisdom of Kukulkan. It's about interdimensional contact in a holosentient universe, alien spirits, cryptids, ESP, you. And I've been reading chapters once in a while, and when I'm done, I'll be able to edit them all together, and I'll have an audiobook from this thing that I wrote 14 years ago. Uh, and would I write some things differently now? Of course I would, but I'm doing my best to present it to you as was written. So if you feel like you don't want to just start in the middle of this, well, go back and you'll find the show where I started reading uh, the Secret Wisdom of Kukulkan. I don't have that episode in front of me right now, but let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. I'm going to pick up with where I left off in last week's show, which was episode 152. And we will continue through uh, chapter six. Okay, here we go. The simplest form of passive aggressive ridicule that stifles paranormal explanation is one person responding to another with this old phrase. It's probably just your imagination. This is actually an insult said to a person who is being lightly accused of an inability to separate what is important from what is not. It is true that we sometimes completely generate things from within, therefore imagining them. But we should never discount something out of hand because it might be imagined. Maybe the reason it was generated within is that it is a response to something outside. But that level of thoughtfulness is scarcely applied by most in our society. We should stop saying it could be your imagination unless we intend to degrade someone. Though that kind of soft mind control has always been used, our technology now confronts us with hardcore mind-reading machines. Functional Magnetic Resonance Imaging, or FMRI, is a system of mapping the brain with such intricacy that specific words and thoughts can be extracted from the mind. In 2009, the 60 Minutes News program did a detailed segment on the technology, demonstrating its successful operation and explaining how it can be used for criminal and terrorist prosecution in the very near future. Will potential intention one day be upheld as evidence of wrongdoing 
as presented in Spielberg's 2002 movie Minority Report. It's sad to see the system of distraction and mass mind control has been so effective. Much of today's youth lives in a cyber world and depends on it. And yet that world is so fragile that it could collapse at any moment. Would they know how to repair it? My friend Dr. Bill Forschen wrote a best-selling novel called One Second After. It's about an electromagnetic pulse, or EMP, that blasts the United States from a nuke that is detonated miles above. Instantly, most of the country reverts back to the pioneer days. In the novel, looting and chaos ensue, and those who know how to survive take over. That scenario is so real that Bill Forschen has been contacted by military leaders and congressional committees asking him to speak before them and fully explain the implications of this threat. On September 1st of 1859, an amazing episode known as the Carrington event occurred. An English solar astronomer named Richard Carrington observed a bright spot on the sun that rapidly swelled and then dwindled at 11.18 a.m. Five minutes later, the skies of Earth brightened into brilliant, colorful auroras. Telegraph lines went nuts, shooting sparks that caught off caught to office papers on fire. An enormous solar flare had induced powerful electrical currents through all metal on Earth. In a 1962 test called Starfish Prime, the United States detonated a large nuclear device 250 miles above the Pacific Ocean, almost 1,000 miles away in Hawaii. The EMP it produced destroyed 300 streetlights, fused power lines, and took out telephones, televisions, radios, and burglar alarms. With today's world so dependent on sensitive electronics, can you imagine what a powerful EMP, either natural or from enemy attack, could do? Interestingly, many solar scientists think due to massive sun activity, our next best chance for a possible Carrington-type EMP event will be 2012. When you have a virus, your body runs a fever. Some, like the Lakota Indians, say humans are now a virus on Earth, and Mother Nature will eventually heat up to destroy us too. But for now, all continues in the man-made architecture of control. The world is controlled by money. The money is controlled by descendants of those who knew the paratemporals. Therefore, the greatest secret being kept by human civilization is the wisdom and power of the paratemporals. But what exactly is the power of the paratemporals? What is it that is so important to them? Simple. The ability to warp space-time. Time is of particular interest. Hence, the paratemporal loop hypothesis. Alrighty, so now I've got the rest of the show to read to you this next chapter, of, and I think I'll finish it even before the show is over. The next chapter is chapter six called The Paratemporal Loop Hypothesis. And I, th I know this is one of those things that's going to sound 
completely nuts to some of you because whenever you get into time travel stuff, you know, it's just like your your mind spirals in all kinds of insane directions. But I've done my best to come up with a a fresh perspective. At least it was a fresh perspective in 2009. And since then, a lot of people have uh, have sort of, you know, picked up on this. And it, it gets into like the men in black and Mothman and all kinds of weird creatures like that. So um, that is coming up when we come back from the break. And then, um, like I say, I'm, it's hard to believe that uh, the next time I decide to do a show about the secret wisdom of Kukulkan, well, that will be that will be the big finale, the grand finale. So uh, I just want to let you know this before we hit this break. Uh, as I record this right now, the holidays are coming up and it's very stressful and everybody could use some extra money for the holidays. And that that is why I am giving you a 100% free uh, system, if you want to call it that, that I created. I call the five, I call it the, uh, the five minute money miracle program. And it does not cost you one red cent. It, uh, it, it consists of um, an audio book and an ebook and some tones that you listen to. And uh, a lot of people tell me it has changed their lives. If you have not yet uh, seen this program, well, it's all online. And all you have to do to get it is go to joshuapwarren.com. And when you type that in, there's no period after the P. That's my personal website address, joshuapwarren.com. Right there on the homepage, it says, click here for Joshua's free newsletter. When you click that, you're going to receive an automated email from me that has links to all kinds of free online goodies. And one of them is the five-minute money miracle secret. And if you start using this right now, then... You will not have to worry about having enough extra money to enjoy yourself the holiday season of this year. So go sign up for that e-newsletter right now at JoshuaPWarren.com. I am Joshua P. Warren, and you are listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back. Hang in there. Josh is coming right back on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. Please make sure and check out my show, Shades of the Afterlife, heard right here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now more Joshua P. Warren on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. Ajitato Zume! And if my lips are starting to sound a little rubbery it's not just all the liquor it's also because i have decided to keep recording from last week's show i'm basically recording two shows back to back here reading 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 because i'm about to get into one of my favorite topics in the whole wide world the paratemporal loop hypothesis and this is from my book the secret wisdom of kukul khan published in 2009 and I, I, hopefully you'll be able to keep up with this. I mean, I don't know. It's like you, you might really have to, to pay attention to it to stay with it because it's time travel stuff. So let's just see how it goes. Are you ready? Let's begin. Chapter six, the paratemporal loop hypothesis. A hypothesis is an explanation or model that hinges on at least one testable element. If that element eventually tests in favor of the hypothesis, it then becomes a theory. In this case, the one condition that is testable is whether or not traveling into the past is possible. If ever, 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 ever in the infinite future, under any circumstances, humans or similar beings figure out how to travel back in time, we can suppose they will. This is the basis of the paratemporal loop hypothesis. Just to be extreme, let us imagine that millions of years into the future, after humans are long gone, another species based on mammals, reptiles, amphibians, birds, insects, fish, or some type of life yet unknown, advances and surpasses our present human state and becomes the first to figure out how to travel back in time. Even if it is illegal to do so, a rogue scientist won't be able to resist the temptation. 
For the sake of example, let's say the first person is eh, a fish man, a highly evolved humanoid from the Earth's ocean. Fish man travels back to the year 1920. Now, we, we view time as an inexorable march ever forward based on our own perception. But in going back, even while his timeline continues, Fishman has now created a time loop. So I'll repeat that. In going back, even while his timeline continues, Fishman has now created a time loop one that we will call a paratemporal loop. He knows how important it is for him to remain hidden and elusive. If he makes too big of an impact on the world, especially if he is seen, he could affect the chain of events ever after and jeopardize his own future existence. As a result, he would perhaps fade away like the lead character and back to the future. However, if Fishman is willing to take a risk, he could try to create some result that might enhance his position in the future. Let's say Fishman brings back a disease that will wipe out the genes of his future predator. If the risk has been calculated correctly, he may return to a better future. If he fails, he may either vanish or his future could be worse. But Fishman says what the heck and gives it a try. If he fails, then it's over. And who knows when the next being will travel back. But if it succeeds, then Fishman is now stronger when he returns, and he ruthlessly protects his time travel technology so that no one can go back and mess him up. Let's say he successfully keeps this secret for a few years, and then he wakes up one day, and the world has changed somehow. He's confused. Well, how did this happen? What Fishman did not realize was that in a million years after he was born, long after Fishman is gone, Bear Man, who has evolved from the future forests, discovers how to travel back. And he has done the same thing as Fishman, traveling instead to 1915, five years before Fishman went back, tweaking the past to his advantage. So now, Fishman has to go back again, this time to 1914, and correct it to his liking. He is now engaged in a sort of time battle with Bearman. But what neither Fishman nor Bearman realize is that in all of the future, there are thousands of others just like them. What we therefore have is a very complex series of millions of paratemporal loops with countless members of countless future species, all trying to outdo each other in favor of their own personal self-interests in the future. And they are not fully aware of each other. What a mess. So, how does this affect you and me in our lives? What if the world around you actually does change somehow from day to day, hour to hour, or second to second, as you move through this intricate structure of loops, some lasting days, some lasting less than a second. One moment flying saucers exist, the next moment they don't. One moment Bigfoot exists, the next moment he does not. 
Have you ever sworn you saw a detailed news feature about a celebrity who had died? And then you find out later that the celebrity is alive again. This is called the dead celebrities phenomenon, and many actually occur. Uh, and it may actually occur with many people. But we simply notice celebrities more since they are famous. Can other people vanish and reappear without any awareness of what happened to them? Read about the 1890 Thunderbird photo from Tombstone, Arizona, in my book called Pet Ghosts. Thousands of people around the world swear they have seen it, and yet no one can produce a copy. Where did it go? Was it removed from our current timeline by someone? Are we passing through an ever-changing world, fluid in ways beyond our comprehension, constantly tweaked in a multifaceted tug of war by beings in the future? And yes, some of them may be humans. What if humans actually figured out how to do this long ago? But it has been kept secret from most of us. What if members of the human race are actively playing this game as we speak? It all sounds like some dizzying plot in a bad sci-fi movie. And yet, if the premise of the hypothesis, which is very plausible, is true, then this is surely the realistic outcome. The one thing that most paranormal entities have in common is a connection to warped time. As touched on earlier, remember that ghosts usually represent a glimpse of the past or a person as that person appeared in the past. A UFO hovers above a car and the vehicle stops. When the UFO zips away, the vehicle starts running again, even though the ignition was not turned. The car did not die, so time was apparently stopped. Someone follows Bigfoot, leaving behind a trail of tracks, and then suddenly the tracks stop in mid-trail and the creature is gone. The Bigfoot has warped its place in space. And since space-time is a single element in changing space, the creature's time is also changed. And yet you may ask, well, if a UFO hovers above a car and the car stops because time stands still, why doesn't it make the driver freeze as well? Well, of course, in some cases, this does account for the missing time reported by witnesses. But in other cases, the human mind continues to function because the mind is itself a time machine that generally functions independently. When you remember what you had for lunch yesterday, you are mentally traveling through time. When you imagine the outcome of tomorrow's election, you are traveling into a future possible timeline. Some people experience paranormal activity all the time. Others never experience it at all. Why is this? It may be because everyone has a unique brain and therefore a unique time machine. You actually have an entire life path that is aligned with your own pattern of loop perception. The loops around us and their layers create frequencies. Some people have a brain tuned to the frequency of the UFO realm and others do not. This goes for any phenomenon. I'm going to stop right there. Make a little note. 
And then when we come back from the break, I'll be picking it up. Yeah, things are, are going very smoothly this time around. Hey, before I hit the break, how about some random, interesting, and fun facts? How many times per second do you think a woodpecker can peck? They are able to peck 20 times per second, or around 8,000 to 12,000 pecks per day, without ever getting a headache. Sea otters hold hands when they sleep, so they don't drift away from each other. That's cute. Jellyfish and lobsters are biologically immortal. What? Jellyfish and lobsters are biologically immortal. Ajia Tatozume. I don't know what that means. Biologically immortal? Now I have a whole other thing I have to look into. It never ends. But that's why we're coming right back. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back after these important messages. Stay there. Joshua P. Warren will be right back. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
The Coast to Coast AM mobile app is here and waiting for you right now. And with the app, you can hear classic shows from the past seven years, listen to the current live show, and get access to the Art Bell Vault where you can listen to uninterrupted audio. Head on over to the coasttocoastam.com website. We have a handy video guide to help you get the most out of your mobile app usage. All the info is waiting for you now at coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's producer Tom of Coast to Coast AM, and more of The Wizard of Weird starts right now. The Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. I'm reading from my book written and published in 2009 called The Secret Wisdom of Kukul Khan from Chapter 6, which is about... The Paratemporal Loop Hypothesis. Just as the length of an antenna can determine what electromagnetic signals one can detect, variables within your brain and mind can determine what aspects of reality you are most apt to receive. In this sense, our worlds overlap somewhat but we each are truly experiencing a unique reality, the product of our own personal interface with the web of timelines we encounter each day, each timeline full of new yet fleeting possibilities. In some of them, you may be psychic. In others, you are not. Your ability can come and go second by second or year by year. When on your conscious journey through life, you pass through a substantial specific point where a loop has connected 
Time at that spot ceases to exist as we usually experience it. At that point, we are sometimes able to move more easily and perceive phenomena that are suspended in time, especially ghosts, be them conscious or imprints. Also at the joints, our potential for ESP is enhanced, allowing the time machine of your mind easier access to stretch into the past or future. It is highly possible that even if the staple of the paratemporal loop hypothesis is wrong and beings have never been nor will ever be capable of traveling through time, similar time loops may exist naturally as well. Humans represent the passing of time in a straightforward linear fashion. A common modern calendar is laid out in a line of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, etc. We therefore imagine ourselves moving straight ahead in a smooth procession. But what if this model does not correspond to the genuine shape of time? Just one little twist here and there can turn everything upside down. If you take a strip of paper and twist it one time and then tape the ends together, you have something similar to a figure eight. If you then place the tip of a pen in the middle of the strip and never lift the tip as you draw straight forward, you will eventually find that you come back to the place where you started. Then, if you undo the ends, you will find that although you never lifted the pen, you actually drew a straight line down the middle of both sides. If you were an ant crawling straight forward on that strip, you never would have realized that you shifted over to the other side and then back. This design is called a Mobius strip. Often, just before someone witnesses a paranormal event, they describe, in retrospect, an eerie moment of silence just before the manifestation. It seems as if time almost stops for a moment and the individual is utterly alone, and then pow, the weirdness happens. English researcher Jenny Randalls calls this the Oz factor, a sign that someone is about to cross into a new realm. If time is occasionally shaped like a Mobius strip, maybe sometimes you encounter one of these twists in the timeline. That moment, just before you switch over to the other realm, all is quiet because you are not quite here nor there. You're in some fuzzy purgatory for a few seconds, devoid of the usual sensory input. And when you return back to the other side of this timeline, this timeline Mobius strip, you are left dazed by how out of place and unreal the entire experience seemed. In some cases, for a while, you may even continue to simultaneously exist in two timelines. Has someone ever seen you somewhere you have not been, doing something that you did not do? Some people even run into themselves face-to-face -face with their doppelganger or double. Modern physicists have photographed the same particle at two separate places at the same time, and though we cannot comprehend this, it happens, and it may occur in our lives from time to time. As you have read thus far, our world, filled with mystery, is complex enough when simply viewed from one point of view. But now imagine that complexity multiplied exponentially as those phenomena are also occurring within these countless paratemporal loops. 
the enormous range of subtle frequencies that waver and fluctuate, bringing us in and out of contact with mind-boggling spectrums of energy and beings, operates within an ever-changing reality, shifting ever so slightly like waves of light on a hot road as forces from the future struggle with those in the past to determine those possible futures again and again. In some loops, we experience the flying humanoids like Mothman. Such winged beings exist just beyond our normal physical vibration, and when there is a large impending change in our world on the physical level, it is preceded by a gradual and powerful change in the energy environment. Like electrical charges building up in a capacitor, they strengthen and warp our dimensions, bringing us into contact with those beings, seemingly omens of transformation. And then when finally the physical change occurs, often quickly and violently, all the energy snap back into place, removing those beings from our realm until another convergence can occur. Perhaps winged beings sometimes blast into our dimension with such force that they accidentally destroy themselves. The incredible Tunguska explosion of 1908 left a huge butterfly-like blast pattern on the ground, considered unexplained to this day. Many of the creatures so popular in paranormal lore, Bigfoot, aliens, mothmen, ghosts, chupacabra, so-called angels and demons, are glimpsed when the dimensions warp toward each other once in a while. During that limited interaction, most of the parties are somewhat confused, especially those I call phantomals, paratemporals that appear more animal-like than human-like. Again, read my book called Pet Ghost. In many cases, our ability to see and interact with them is just as surprising to us as their ability to see and interact with us is to them. And yet some of them appear to truly understand what is going on. It seems rather likely that future humans do in fact figure out how to travel into the past. They may not be fully organic like us, though. Because we think of ourselves as organic, we are organocentric beings. But you are composed of metal as well. When spilled, your blood leaves iron rust. As we advance, we will surely become more like cyborgs, blurring the line between the current concept of man and machine. It's already happening. How often do you see someone with a tiny cell phone slash computer practically glued to their ear? In the future, we will have a combination of organic and inorganic, just like the advanced ships of the paratemporals. And that is why some describe such qualities of greys, and also why there is something so unsettlingly inhuman about the men in black, or MIB. If you want to understand the MIB, you must ask yourself one very simple question. Why, especially throughout the 20th century, did these men always dress in black? It is now so well known that it seems they would stick out like sore thumbs, and because of that, we don't hear as many reports of them. For the most part, they have apparently changed their dress. But why? Well, think about this. In the early 1900s, if you saw a man walking down the street wearing a black hat and a black suit, you might notice him, but he would not look extremely out of place. And in the late 1900s, if you saw a man walking down the street wearing a black hat and black suit, you might notice him, but again, he would not look extremely out of place. 
This particular outfit was flexible enough to work within the social context of a century or more. Therefore, if you are jumping around, traveling through time, and within the course of one work day, you might find yourself visiting 1915 and then 1989 and then 1953, well, you could keep the same clothes all the while. This is a convenient suit that fits within the general fashion of an era. Not specific enough to be quite right, but not so generally strange to draw unique attention. If the paratemporal loop hypothesis is correct, then the MIB are future humans, slightly cyborg perhaps, with alien influence, who work to keep the secret of paratemporal contact and time travel for the benefit of future humans. In that regard, they are the most human of the paratemporals. Now, of course, I don't mean to say there aren't regular old government spooks running around in black suits as well, but there is much less of that than you might think. All right, I'm going to pause right there. And I feel, I feel pretty good about the fact that when I come back for this last segment of the show, I'm going to be able to finish this chapter and then I may even have time to talk to you about something else because I couldn't help it. I did look up <laughs> the supposed explanation for why jellyfish and lobsters are sometimes called biologically immortal. Now, I know that, you know, if you cut off like a, a limb from a starfish, it can grow back. And I know that, you know, you can, if a lizard loses its tail, gets bitten off, it can grow. But what are they talking about? Well, I think I'll have time to get into that. And that's not something I was planning to talk about, by the way, at the end of the show. And who knows, maybe even more. Okie doke. I am Joshua P. Warren. You are listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back. Hang on, Josh will be right back. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? 
Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, folks, we need your music. Hey, it's producer Tom at Coast to Coast AM, and every first Sunday of the month, we play music from emerging artists just like you. If you're a musician or a singer and have recorded music you'd like to submit, it's very easy. Just go to coasttocoastam.com, click the Emerging Artist banner in the carousel, follow the instructions, and we just might play your music on the air. Go now to coasttocoastam.com to send us your recording. That's coasttocoastam.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Dr. Sky. Keep it right here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome back to the final segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren. And now let's get back to the reading, shall we? Given that standard non-paranormal government and military powers form the bulk of our system, 
and they thrive on creating confusion to maintain their secrecy. This whole thing is further complicated by low-level government taking advantage of the ridicule factor associated with people who discuss the paranormal. For example, let's say a military division is practicing how to secretly run through a civilian area at night and they choose your own backyard as a practice course before going into a live war zone. If your dog starts barking and you look outside to see men running by with rifles, you'll likely call the police. But what if those same men are wearing rubber alien masks? You might hesitate to pick up the phone and tell the local authorities you've seen two aliens in your backyard. For this reason, I feel confident that governments often disguise their personnel and equipment in the guise of paranormal imagery from modern pop culture, and it works. The real paratemporals seem to have a fascination with human life forms and especially blood. There were reports of Mothman chasing a blood mobile. Chupacabra sucks blood. Cattle mutilations leave carcasses without blood. And again, it's not inconceivable. Some of them are actually eating humans. The idea of the vampire itself is likely based on this fact. As Bram Stoker wrote, the blood is the life. And when paratemporals appear, they often leave traces of radiation. First-hand witnesses have shared records of radiation exposure and conjunctivitis with me. Massive radiation has also a tendency to uh, settle in some parts of mutilated cows. There are many ways in which strange beings manifest, and there are evidence and methods we can use to discern the real paratemporals from deceptions and illusions. But keep in mind that all of these phenomena may exist within those loops, so abundant that they enshroud our lives in the entire human experience. As you hear these words, the world outside your window may essentially look the same, but just beyond your view, it is changing in some fundamental way. And since we're talking about time travel, there is at least one other point that should be made. It's possible that those, or at least some of those who travel into the past, cannot interact with it. They might be invisible to us or partially visible since their dimensional position may be close to ours, but does not completely merge. If that's the case, they might appear as the shadowy figures that quietly watch us. The infamous shadow people that Heidi Hollis talks about. As opposed to shadowy phantasmal forms that might simply be ghosts that have not fully materialized, shadow people behave in a particular fashion that defines them. They often tend to crouch back in a corner or some other subtle nook and watch us. And yet when they are noticed, they quickly exit. If from the future this could explain why they run, they know that if you merely perceive them, it could influence the chain of events, altering the timeline, jeopardizing the future. There are other paratemporals that simply watch us, though. We enjoy stories about those we feel help us, angels and such. Yet some of the most frightening stories you can imagine come from those of a ghoulish nature. One story that raised the hair on my flesh was that of a young woman who moved into a haunted house. At first, she didn't know it was haunted. The first night, she woke up at 2 a.m. sharp and sprang upright in bed. All seemed fine. The second... The exact same thing happened at 2 a.m., and again the third night. After she told a co-worker, he suggested she set up a camera in the room, and he lent her his. That night the same thing happened, but with the camera rolling this time. 
The next day, upon returning from work, she watched the footage. There she was, lying asleep in bed, all normal. And then at 1.57 a.m., a tall black form, very similar to the Grim Reaper, quietly drifted up to her bedside. He stood there, silently watching her sleep until 1.59 a.m. Then he turned and glided away. Moments later, she sprang upright at 2 a.m. Just as some of these paratemporals want our blood, others simply want our energy. And if you see them and are panicked, you withdraw your energy field. But when you don't see them and you're relaxed and at ease, your aura is wide and radiant. You're vulnerable and it's easy for them to feed off your energy directly without your attention. The paratemporals that slip in and out of this realm sometimes orient themselves to humans and take our organ. So when one realizes that a paratemporal is trying to avoid observation, it is because that being is either a biofeeder or a partially manifested time traveler from the future attempting to stay hidden as he or she watches us for a variety of purposes. This realm... This synchronistic fantasy in which we perceive so much, yet are conscious of so little, is truly an overwhelming place. In the most technical sense, this very moment is all that really exists, the here and now. But how long is that moment? Time is indeed a flexible thing. Your time machine, the one between your ears, is processing data as quickly as it can. Your wormhole brain is sucking it in and shooting it out as rapidly as possible, the frequency changing all the while. And as the program runs through, where is it leading? What happens when you reach the end? Whew, my goodness. Okay, I made it to the end of that chapter. Let me tell you, that I am exhausted. That takes, that drains you to record two strange things podcast back to back. But you know what? Here's the exciting news. The next time I decide to read from this book, and I don't know when that will be. There was only one chapter left. It's called chapter seven, your purpose and intention. That will be the big grand finale of this entire thing. And then after that, I'll uh, be able to sew all this together and have my audio book. So, Okay. Let's get back to this weirdo factoid that I came across that said that, and I, I just picked up a book and randomly it said, did you know that, you know, lobsters and jellyfish are biologically immortal? So I, I looked that up and let me just tell you what I came up with, because it, it seems like it's a little too complicated to really try to dig into uh, from like a clinical point of view. But apparently, according to like bigthink.com, uh, lobsters have some kind of an enzyme that it always replaces the, the old growth on their shells. And that, so basically it's kind of like whenever something dies, it just keeps being replaced. And they say right here, and this is a quote, lobsters do not die from old age, but from exhaustion. So th that's weird, isn't it? Like, so their bodies, they're saying, can stay healthy for a long time, but then eventually they just get tired. I know another way they die, don't you? <laughs> I don't want to offend all of the uh, 
the non lobster eaters out there. So I will not, but I, I, I will not say more. But I, you know what? The oldest lobster they think on record was named George. And, uh, they say that he lived at a seafood restaurant in New York City and they estimated that he was 140 years old when he died. But now when it comes to jellyfish, that's a different story. The jellyfish really do seem to be immortal because apparently, um, the jellyfish, they have the sun. There's only one type of jellyfish and you can read about this on your own. This particular type of jellyfish has this ability to literally regress its age. So it can, no, ma- no matter how old it gets, if it wants to, they're saying that it can regress to an earlier age and then go back to a later age. And it just has complete flexibility to do this. And listen to this. I kid you not. Scientists are saying that there are probably some of these jellyfish out there floating around right now that have been around for at least 66 million years before, you know, the demise of the dinosaurs. I mean, like inject me with some of that, right? Uh, forget the stem cells. I get, find some of these jellyfish. I'll eat them every day. <laughs> it's so weird. Okay. Well, as they say, if you're curious, you, you learn something new every day. Okay. It is now time for me to let my jaw rest a little bit, and that doesn't happen quite often. So let us, as usual, take a deep breath. If you can, close your eyes, relax. Let's focus on making your next week the best one ever, huh? Some people even take a, a piece of, uh, well, they take like a beverage or a bottle of water. And they put it in front of the speaker, and when I play this tone, And then they drink it afterward. But here it is, the good fortune tone. That's it. For this edition of the show, follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren. Plus, visit JoshuaPWarren.com to sign up for my free e-newsletter to receive a free instant gift and check out the cool stuff in the Curiosity Shop all at JoshuaPWarren.com. I have a fun one lined up for you next time, I promise. So please tell all your friends to subscribe to this show and to always remember the golden rule. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com. 